0: half wall. Marsha so there. Opens up. He shoots. Score! William
1: Carlson took it home. 3-0 Golden Knights. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com
2: Ducks back in. Toronto to put it on goal. Save Thompson. He scrolls and gets the rebound too.
1: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
2: Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the woo. No, Darren Millard today. He is on uh, location doing something, and you know, for Darren, it's one of those things where uh, we know that uh, he he hates to be away from us, especially when Chapman and I are going to be giving game ratings for the previous two games for the Vegas Golden Knights. If there's one thing we know about Millard. It's that he loves game ratings. And, you know, I I think, Chapman, we might have a little bit of fun today. Because I I believe we've been asked to rate our game ratings. Meaning, which of the three ratings that we have used over the last three seasons do we like the most? Rank them one, two, three. I think we might have a little bit of fun with that. We're going to tap into the heart trophy the leading candidates right now for the Hart trophy and why Connor McDavid might not be at the top of the list. And that should be somewhat surprising and shocking to a lot of people, but maybe not to others. We've also, uh, we're also going to take a deep dive. I'm going to rant about Jordan Binnington and I'm going to do it today because Darren's not here. And usually when I rant about uh, Jordan Binnington, Darren tells me that it's not something uh, he he pushes back. I'm not going to get pushback here with, with Chris Chapman when it comes to Jordan Binnington. We know where I stand with Bennington, and over the weekend, uh, he had some banner moments, uh, usually involving getting scored on, but some physicality stuff and trying to pick a fight with his own shadow. So we're going to dive deep on Jordan Binnington. We've got one-timers. We've got a lot to get to. But first and foremost, as we do every single, usually Monday, but t- sometimes Tuesday, Every single first segment of the week belongs to you. It's time to talk to the insiders. Got something on your mind?
1: The sum of the square roots of any two sides of an
3: isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. That's a right triangle, you idiot!
0: Don't! Want to tell us how you feel? Speaking of bad reviews,
4: computers are mostly pointless, but that Yelp thing gave me a great idea on how to criticize people and places. Dear frozen yogurt, you are the celery of desserts. Be ice cream or be nothing. Zero stars.
1: It's your time to talk to the insiders.
2: There it is. Uh, That's an open that we have not heard yet. But boy, oh boy, Chapman, I know you worked hard on it. 702-876-1340 is the number here if you'd like to talk to the insiders. 702-876-1340. There's a lot of different directions we can go when it comes to this Golden Knights team right now. They are tops in the Pacific Division. They are phenomenal on the road by virtue of a big-time win last night over the Boston Bruins. Vegas is now 12-2-1 on the road. That is best in the NHL. Is Do you have a reason as to why you think that is? We can definitely go there. We can talk about last night's game and why it was so important to Bruce Cassidy, why it was so important to the Golden Knights, but really why it was important for that team to be able to win a game without Jack Eichel and Alex Petrangelo in the lineup, especially when you consider what the Golden Knights went through last year. We can also get into Leeds. Are any leads in the NHL these days safe? It doesn't really seem like it across the league, so why are we so surprised when teams are able to come back? 702-876-1340. If you've never called into the show, I challenge you today to call in. Give us your thoughts. Give us your opinions. Let us know where you stand right now with this Golden Knights team. Let's head out to the phone lines and bring in Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing?
3: Hey, very good. You, you, uh, first of all, uh, I hope Darren obviously is well. He's just on assignment, so to speak. Yeah, and yeah, on assignment so for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing, nothing to concern her. I like a petrangelo kind of thing. So all is well. No. Um, the first thing I gotta say today is when we uh, uh, embark on a road trip. And I don't think people have really processed this properly yet. We've we've garnered 16 out of 18 points on our two long road trips. That is incredible. Mm. But uh, to me, it doesn't mean anything if you don't come home and you take care of business against the Rangers and uh, against uh, the Flyers. People like that you've got to beat at home. And the Knights have proven so far that they consider that a bit of a challenge. What's the story there?
2: Well, I, I think that you, you kind of go back to the last homestand for the Vegas Golden Knights or the last two homestands for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, and there were extenuating circumstances. There were some things that you know made it tougher than you would have imagined for Vegas. Now, they're going to be facing a lot of the same challenges going into this three-game homestand. One, you're coming off of an extended road trip, four games, nine days, where you were very successful before the Golden Knights were coming off of a five-game road trip in which they swept that road trip and had won nine straight games. You were due for a letdown. It happened, and then that bled into a couple of games. The last homestand for the Golden Knights around that Thanksgiving holiday, there were five games in eight days, and you had all of that surrounding, you know, your your family time. And, and make no mistake, again, these are all human beings. They are not robots. They're not programmed to just go out there and be able to play only the game and focus only on the game. There are other things happening around the Golden Knights. I view this homestand a little bit differently for Vegas. I don't think that there's going to be as many external uh, distractions going on surrounding this team, and the Rangers were at home the other night too. So I think both teams are going to be dealing with the same amount of travel. You can almost treat this, and I think the Golden Knights should treat this as a continuation of their road trip, at least tomorrow night against the New York Rangers. I think that it's going to be a different story for Vegas on this homestand. If it's not, then I think we start to ask some bigger questions.
3: Yeah, well, that's true. And tomorrow night I will call and we'll discuss whether it was or it wasn't. Uh, here's the other thing, and maybe first of all, Chris, if you're listening, congratulations to Japan on a marvelous run.
0: Oh, thank you. I mean, I I I'm not a member of the team, but uh <laughs> it, it was it was it was a lot of fun. I was <laughs> I was disappointed to You know what's funny? I was more disappointed to see Japan lose than I was to see the United States lose.
3: Oh, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> happy wife, happy life.
0: Yes, yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations. That was a miracle little run there and it was fun. Um, at any rate, the other thing, and I maybe get both of your guys' inputs on this. You're not going to agree with me, I know, but I long for the days when someone steps up and says, I really enjoyed that tribute. That was something that made me cry. I was excited to be a part of it. And Coach Cassidy's the most incredible coach I've ever encountered. But he took that so much in stride. Give me some emotion. Give me some feedback. Uh, and when Paul... Uh, not on Paul Cotter, when uh, Phil Kessel broke the record, it was so mundane and pedestrian. Give me some some lifeblood, guys. Show me a pulse. That's my last comment to you both. I think.
2: Uh, thank yeah. Thanks for the call, Mike. I'll push back on Bruce Cassidy. Um because he was emotional like he was emotional on the bench at the moment that the uh, that the tribute was happening and and I like to see that from Bruce but you know you you, you go to ask him about it after the game and his team had just beaten uh, a team that was that was unbeat unbeatable at home right like the the Boston Bruins 14-0 going into that game last night against the Golden Knights I think that Bruce is as much as that game meant something to him and, and I think it kind of shined through at various points in his post-game commentary last night about how much it did mean to him um, I'm not surprised that the emotion wasn't necessarily there for him after the game I, I think that you know it was more about the players in that room that that you know, showed up for him that that won that game, uh, that that bent but didn't break, and and I, I, that's more the appreciation that you got from Bruce Cassidy last night after the game because you're far enough removed from the tribute in real time that I think Bruce turned his attention to his team and and what he what he saw from his team last night. Yeah,
0: I, I I think you kind of nailed it. You know, it's it, it's hard I think sometimes because these guys are so involved and every every point is important in this league, and I think. Sometimes you, you you can't really lose focus of what you're doing, whether it's on the bench or on the ice. Um, I, I enjoy the tributes. I still think to this day my favorite was probably John Merrill's, uh, only because they showed a little bit of his personality <laughs> off the ice. Uh, plus, John Merrill was just a—he a, he will go down probably as one of the folk heroes of, of, of the Misfit team, right? Every, everybody loved John Merrill, and and I thought, you know, for me—and and I don't know about you, Ryan, but sometimes I get a little emotional during those tributes as well, because— you know these are guys that we've we forged relationships with over the last five and a half years, and some guys we've gotten close with. Like even recently, I saw Nate Schmidt when when Winnipeg was in town, and it's hard to not kind of get a little emotional because Nate was such a great guy He was always great with us, the media. He was you know he was a guy who I got close with, you know, in, in the locker room. So it it was always one of those things where for me, I, I I know I get a little emotional during them sometimes, and and I would imagine as a coach, it's it's hard to not. Get emotional because you have to stay in, in involved with the game, and, and I mean, I, I, I'm glad that they do them. I think it's it's really a great thing, and I thought the ovation that the fans in Boston gave Bruce was was pretty awesome as well because I think Boston is a hockey town. You know, it's not, and, and I don't just mean from the NHL perspective. You know, there's a lot of great players that come from the state of Massachusetts, obviously Jack Eichel being one, but even at the collegiate ranks, you know, Boston U, Boston College. Harvard all have really good programs and and, and so it's a hockey town and, and I think the fans there, they respected Bruce Cassidy. they appreciated what the job that he did while he was there. And you know sometimes you have to part ways and, and it's it's part of the business, but I, I, I thought that the Boston fans showed a lot of class last night when, when they honored Bruce.
2: And ultimately, that's who it's for, right? Like the the tribute videos for Bruce Cassidy, it's for the fans. It's for some of the players in that room within the Boston organization that became better players because of Bruce Cassidy. It's for uh, remembering the nostalgia of going to a Stanley Cup final, of being within one win of the Stanley Cup. Like that's who it's for. And I I appreciate that that the Boston Bruins fans are, did well in that moment to, to show Bruce Cassidy the appreciation that they had for him when he was their head coach. I appreciate Bruce Cassidy having a moment on that, on the bench when the, when the tribute was going on, uh, where he let his emotions just kind of flow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after the game, I I don't, I don't need much more than what we got out of Bruce Cassidy. You could tell he was excited that they won that game. You could tell that it meant something to him. And now you kind of put that chapter behind you. And I think that for any player going up against their former team, that first game is the one that means the most. And for the Golden Knights, they came through in a big way for their new head coach in Bruce Cassidy. Still have some lines open. 702-876-1340. And Dan Duva last night did a phenomenal job, obviously, on the call. He always does. He's, he's one of the best kept secrets in the NHL right now. But I will say this. Prior to the game, Dan asked Bruce Cassidy if last night was a prove-it game for the Vegas Golden Knights going up against the Boston Bruins. I love that question because it's a different take. It's a different spin on measuring stick. And so, What I want to know from you, 702-876-1340, that's the number. Give us a call. If you've never called in before, now's your time. Just talk to the insiders. It's all about you. I want to know if last night was a prove-it game, did the Golden Knights prove anything to you? Like, did, Did you learn something new about this Golden Knights team last night in their victory in the shootout over the Boston Bruins? 702-876-1340, 702-876-1340, pick up the number, dial it up right now so that we can talk to you. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, how are you doing?
5: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing well. How yeah, are you? No complaints.
5: Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, I said it last night, but I, I think the nice proof that they're a team that's committed to scoring by committee, um, down essentially your best four and your best defensemen, they pulled out a win, you know? Um, and it's kind of funny because I I look at this road trip and it feels so much less successful than the five-game road trip earlier in the year. But, I mean, we came home with six out of eight points. And it, it, it's a little muddy, you know, because we shoot out and giving up the lead. But, like, man, you can't ask for a whole lot more. I mean, most of the time, you get 500 on a road trip and it's a good road trip. And we just... You know, had one that was five out of five, and this one, uh, three out of four. It's, you know, I don't think that Vegas has a whole lot left to prove to the league.
2: You know, it's interesting that you you have that idea or that thought, because I feel like there's a lot of fans out there that— Feel the same way you do. That, you know, the Golden Knights go on a five game road trip. They sweep that road trip. They look dominant. They don't have situations where they're giving up uh, leads or having to push things into a shootout or overtime. And you look at that as the epitome of success. And then for Vegas on this last four game road trip, they go three and one. They have two goal leads in every single one of those games and yet have to go to uh, sh- a shootout twice to get those points. Is it? Is that what it is that makes it feel less successful to you? Is it kind of the ability to, to not hold on to a lead when you have it? I mean, I,
5: I, think, that, I, I think that probably is it, right? That mm-hmm. it's, It feels like games that should be like, oh, this isn't a bad. We got a you know, two-goal lead. But, you know, it, it's going to happen. I mean, just look at what happened to the Habs last night. Right, they were up four mm-hmm. nothing, and I almost didn't turn that game on. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's the only game on. I'm going to turn it on." And all of a sudden, it's tied four four, and then just ridiculousness happens in that game. So uh, it's just a league that we have to remember. Like literally, anything can happen. It's not like the other team is like, "Oh, you guys scored a couple goals. We're just going to roll over and, and let you finish the rest of the game." It's you know, every team out there. These are the best hockey players in the world. They're trying to win. And you have to respect, you know, Boston last night for, for their comeback and, and trying to pull it out. And it's, you know, it, it's got to be expected. But after you have such a positive road trip, like the five-game one, it, it feels weird to be like, oh, gosh, we had to actually battle all the way to the end of that game. But that's mm-hmm. what you should expect. Every game is to the last to the last whistle.
2: Yeah. You know what, Stephanie, thank you for the call. And I think that there is something to learn in that too. You're going to go through ebbs and flows in a season where you're, you know, trying to find points. You're not getting the points. You're not playing well. You have moments where it's just not clicking. It's not working. And then you're going to have stretches where, you know, you find yourself with some leads and then you find yourself uh, having to protect those leads. And it's not always the easiest balance to protect the lead while still keeping your foot on the gas while still trying to play in the offensive zone because naturally what's going to happen is you don't want to make a mistake and when you start to play in that in those terms all of a sudden it's a lot easier to just rush plays or to to not do the things that were earlier on helping you build a lead. And so for the Golden Knights right now, I think you're kind of in that stretch of the season where you have to grow in your game when you have a lead. And, and I think it's coming. I think it's going to happen for the Golden Knights. But as I've said multiple times this season, as I was talking about in the preseason and in, over the summer, uh, the Golden Knights need some stability And they need the ability to grow within their game. They need to continue to get better day in and day out, game in, game out. And I think what we're seeing right now from the Golden Knights, even though the results might not equal what they had in the first 16-game stretch, This team is actually getting better, playing better, more connected, finding their game for bigger pockets than they were at the beginning of the year. And so that, to me, is improvement. 702-876-1340 is the number. If last night was a prove-it game, what did the Golden Knights prove to you? That's what I want to know. 702-876-1340. Make sure you call in if you haven't called in before. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing?
4: Hey, Ryan, how's it going? I uh. Spoke with you Saturday night after the Detroit game, and I was supposed to call you back last night, but unfortunately was tied up. But I wanted to get in touch with you and talk about this prove-it game. I think actually it was uh, more of a prove-it game for both teams, a litmus Mm -hmm. test, if you will, like we talked Saturday night, because you had two heavyweights that were battling out like a boxing match, right? The Golden Knights came Mm -hmm. out strong, great start to the game. You knew there was going to be a pushback, and there was. But as the game wore on, and Bruce Cassidy shortened his bench in the third period because clearly he wanted this game, and clearly the players wanted to win it for him. I thought about something, believe it or not, that Theo Epstein, the former GM of the Cubs and the former GM of the Red Sox, used to say, you go into any season, the first third, you figure out what you have on your roster. The next third, you figure out what you need running up to the trade deadline. And then you go out and you get what you need to make your championship run. And I think on this team, this Golden Knights team, certainly they've got lots to prove after not making the playoffs last season. But with Bruce Cassidy coming in and the improvements he has made, both on defense and special teams, they're still figuring out what they have. And I point Mm -hmm. to the amount of playing time that Daniil Murmanov has over the past two games, especially on the power play last night. I think Bruce Cassidy is trying to figure out what he has in that player. And you notice without Alex Petrangelo coming out over the board for that first shift in the power play, there's an opportunity now for some people to step up. I'd personally like to see Nick Haig out there because I think he deserves an opportunity with those Hager bombs from the blue line. But I think they're still trying to figure out what they have as a roster. And what was great about last night, when you don't have Jack Eichel, you don't have Alex Petrangelo, you still have a team that stepped up, next man up mentality. and and guys are producing, not least of which would be Paul Cotter. Please show me more Paul Cotter. I don't care what he does. I don't care where he is. Just keep rolling him out there. And I think as the the season wears on, they're going to nail down exactly what you're talking about with figuring out the growth of the team, the growth into the system, and the games by design, because this is the way Bruce Cassidy coaches – there are going to be a lot of one-goal games. There are going to be a lot of 3-2, 2-1 two, two, games. There's not going to be a lot of blowout games like we had in the first season. Uh, but that's okay. That's what defense wins championships I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this roster develops and how much a player like Jack Eichel, who to me is in large part reminiscent of the puck possession we used to have from David Perron during that first season, where he'd go in the corner and control the puck, and there wasn't anyone who was going to take it from him. And if you're looking at Jack Eichel, he, he reminds me in a large, uh, in a large way of the same, same skill set. And then of course he skates like the wind, so that's awesome. But I thought last night was a, a great litmus test for both teams, and I'm looking forward to Sunday night when they come out here to play here at T-Mobile.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Mark. Uh, thank you for the call. I I do believe it was a litmus test for both teams. I think that you know the Bruins were looking at the Golden Knights as as a team to measure up against. Anytime you are one of a handful of teams that are right on the cusp of 20 wins this early on in the year, you, you want to see how you stack up against the other teams that are, are playing well. And you know, I I think the Bruins probably feel good in that they were able to come back, that they were able to. Tilt momentum in their favor for a long enough stretch in that game to find a couple of goals quick in that second period and then tie it up ultimately on the power play in the third. Uh, but, you know, I, I also think that that your points are, are kind of spot on here when it comes to the Golden Knights. Like this is a team that I do believe internally views themselves as Stanley Cup contenders. Like, I don't think there's anybody in the room for the Golden Knights right now that isn't looking at it, that team, the way they're constructed, if they're healthy, as a team that can do some damage in the playoffs. However, there is going to be something that happens over the course of this season where the Golden Knights are going to identify an area of the lineup they feel they can improve going into the trade deadline. And the the fact of the matter is, based on the start for the Vegas Golden Knights, They absolutely should do that. You absolutely should look to improve this team as you get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Because when you kind of look at what's happening around the league, you look at what's going on right now in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference specifically, Like it's pretty wide open. The Colorado Avalanche all of a sudden are not the shoe-in to represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final that we all anticipated or thought they would be going into the season. And why is that? Well, because Chicago, because Colorado is dealing with a ton of injuries. We'll get to that later on in the show. But if you're the Golden Knights, if you're Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee looking at this, like you have an avenue, you have a window right now with this Golden Knights team as constructed to improve to tweak when you need to and if the team continues to respond they continue to get to bank points and continue to grow within bruce cassidy's system then i think you have a pretty good blueprint of what you might need come trade deadline to improve this team and gear up for a legitimate chance at a stanley cup i see building blocks for the golden knights right now i'm not gonna fault them in any way for what their record is, and I'm not going to fault them for having some some issues recently with holding on to leads because I think there's more at play than just the Golden Knights take their foot off the gas. Like I don't believe that the Golden Knights last night took their foot off the gas. I'm going to bring in Chris Chapman because I want to have this conversation before we get to our game ratings. Do you look at last night, Chapman, do you think the Golden Knights took their foot off the gas against the Boston Bruins?
0: I don't know if, if that's the the word or the way that I would describe it. I, I would say, um, you know, being up three nothing, I, I I don't believe that you should ever get to a point where you're in overtime or in a shootout, but that's just the way I approach things. I, I, I found it a bit problematic and I texted you like, Oh, here we go again. Um, you know, because every game in this in this road trip, they were up multiple goals and you know, they, they they gave up the lead. Now, people might look at me and be like, well, who cares? They won the games. But I, mm-hmm. I, I do I I I do think that, that it was a bit I would say unsettling is probably a, a good word to describe it. But I'm going I'm gonna push back on you a little bit. I want to ask you this question because it's something that, that I was thinking about when you told me that we were going to be talking about this today. But it should be highlighted that this team was missing arguably their best defensive player for the entire road trip. So right. how how different do do you approach it with without you know Petrangelo being there? Like, are they in a situation where they probably don't give up multiple goal leads in these games if Petrangelo is in there? Because I I have to think that if Alex Petrangelo is on the ice for all four of these games, they're not mm-hmm. giving up multiple goal leads.
2: Yeah, I mean I'd like to believe that that's the case, right? I, I think with Petrangelo, what you're seeing is that. Uh, this team, in his absence, is is not as efficient breaking the puck out of their own zone, and with Petrangelo, he's a one-man breakout, he can certainly break the forechecking pressure. I think the game where you probably missed Alex Petrangelo the most, outside of last night against Boston, was certainly the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, where the Golden Knights just could not break the forecheck of the Penguins at all and you 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 get hemmed in uh ben hutton's not playing more than than nine ten minutes in the game and all of a sudden the load increases on the Braden mcnabs and the alec Martinezes and the shea theodores and when you're already kind of not able to get out of your own zone i think that stuff just can tends to snowball on you i do think that if you're going to make a blanket statement this team can't hold on to a lead based on this road trip and this road trip only, you have to take in all the factors. The fact that this team was without Alex Petrangelo, their best puck-moving defenseman, and that's not a hot take right? That's not taking anything away from Shea Theodore. Alex Petrangelo this year has been playing at a Norris caliber. He has been that good for the Golden Knights, amassing points, but getting out of his own zone so efficiently, putting the puck on the stick of the forwards in a prime spot to break through the neutral zone, to to lead into transition offense, the ability to break four checks. Petrangelo's done everything. So when you take that out of the lineup, then you force Alec Martinez to play the off win, the offside for him for the first time in a long, long time, and then you've got to rely a little bit heavily on, on a little bit more heavily on Nick Hag to play up the lineup, harder matchups, all those things. It's no surprise to me that teams were able to find their their way back into games against the Golden Knights on this trip. Now, if Petrangelo comes back soon. And it's still a problem. I think you've got to give it a couple of games for him to get himself back up to that game speed, back up to the level that he was playing at. But, you know, the only game, well, two games that I had like an issue with giving up the leads were Columbus and Pittsburgh. And for different reasons. I know that Johnny Goudreau is good. I do. But when you look at that Columbus team, there was really no reason you should have allowed two goals to that Columbus team. Johnny Gaudreau was good. Everything was fine. Everything was largely kept to the outside still for the Golden Knights. But you can't give a team that's missing Patrick Laine the ability to come back in a game. That's a team you have to stop that and just make it an easier night on you, especially given what the schedule has been for the Golden Knights. The Pittsburgh game I didn't like mainly because there wasn't an answer there wasn't a pushback like at least with columbus the pushback came in overtime the pushback came in the shootout in much the same way the pushback for me in this game against boston happened in the third period and it happened because of the misfits they strung together some fantastic shifts in the offensive zone in the third period against the Boston Bruins last night. They dragged their team back into the fight. They halted the momentum of the Boston Bruins, and the Misfits are a big, big reason that the Golden Knights were able to get a point, let alone two, last night against the Bruins. But I I think you saw growth in Vegas from that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They dealt with a pushback from Boston. They did not break completely, and then they retook the momentum in the game. They took over the game from that point forward, and, and I think that that's growth. It, it doesn't have to be, okay, you never, ever, ever, ever let a team tie the game if you've got a multi-goal lead, but you can show improvements in different ways, and I think the push back from the Golden Knights when they were back on their heels when Boston made it 3-3 three to three, was really an improvement over what we saw in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, and the— I'm I'm with you. I I was disappointed with the way that they played, especially from in the third period. Or I can't remember when Columbus made, scored their goals to get back into it. But was it the second period? Maybe. But you know, second, second period and then third. Yeah, period. second periods for whatever reason ha- have been an issue for this team. But I think of, of of all the games they played on the road trip, the Pittsburgh one was the one, and it's not just because they lost, but it was because I felt like even that two nothing lead, it was a bit of smoke and mirrors that they were ahead mm-hmm. two nothing in that game. Uh, look, Pittsburgh is, is obviously a really good team. Anytime you have a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, I'm not going to count them out of a game. They're just too good. To, they've been around too long to just pack it in and go home. Uh, last night was an interesting one because I think because they won, there, there, there's a lot of ways to look at it. You say, hey, you know what? And maybe I should save it for the rating, so that's what I'll do mm-hmm. uh, when, when I give my opinion. But you know, it 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 was a it was a really good road trip, and and I'll say that because not only did you walk away with six out of eight points, but you did it without, like we talked about, without Alex Petrangelo. and last night you do it without Jack Eichel. I mean, yeah, that you're that, it, it, it it you know, and and we can get into it more when when we do the the, the ratings, but. It sucked to give up a 3 nothing lead to watch that happen, but you have to be satisfied with the way that, that the team, as you said, pushed back and, and didn't pack it in, and they got the result.
2: Yeah, I, we'll, we'll get to it on the other side, I, I promise. But for me, the Golden Knights, they, they showed a lot in that game against the Boston Bruins last night. They were the first team that I feel like disrupted what Boston wants to do in the offensive zone. Did Boston still get opportunities? Did they still get looks? Were they still able to activate activate their D a little bit and find those seams? They did, but not with the same regularity that the Bruins have been, have been finding those passes, those plays against everyone else in the NHL. It was a positive game for the Golden Knights, and it was a positive game without Jack Eichel and without Alex Petrangelo. Great stuff on the phones. Great calls today. Thanks, Mike, Stephanie, and Mark for dialing in, having uh, the the chance today to talk to the insiders. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with game ratings on the other side. It's the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340
2: AM. Fun Tuesday afternoon. Your calls leading us off here on the VGK Insider Show. Came with some heat in that first segment. Same thing with the Los Angeles Kings right now. Four to one lead over the Ottawa Senators. There's six and a half minutes left in the first period. Not a great start for the Ottawa Senators. But as we promised, it is time for our game ratings.
3: Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one. The one I've been waiting for all my life. Uh, well, it's a DeLorean. right? right? with me, Marty. Doing? All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah.
2: tape. Game ratings uh, brought to you by the mind of Darren Millard, we, in which we talk about uh, cars. Cars are the... Uh, ratings for this season. Discontinued cars, number one, a one out of five is an AMC Pacer. Uh, two out of five is a station wagon. A three out of five is a Humvee. A four out of five is a Trans Am and a five out of five, perfect game, everything you ever wanted and more. And then a cherry on top, that is a DeLorean. We've got two games to dissect here, two games to rate for the Vegas Golden Knights since we last spoke with you. We've got the game on Saturday night, Uh, against the Detroit Red Wings, a 4-1 victory for the Vegas Golden Knights and a 4-3 win in the shootout for the Vegas Golden Knights over the Boston Bruins last night. Chapman, what say you?
0: Well, I'm going high because I feel like there are a lot of positives in in both games. I thought the Red Wings game, I'm going to go with a Trans Am, a 4 out of 5. I thought it was a really good response following um, the, the, the loss in Pittsburgh. Um from from things that I had heard, um the team was was a little angry and, and they were a bit quiet following the loss to Pittsburgh. So it was a really good response. Um it was cool for Paul Cotter to be able to play in front of his family in Michigan. I'm sure that was a dream of his when he was a kid to have the opportunity to play, you know, in, in against the Red Wings or for the Red Wings, but be able to play in Detroit professionally. That that's pretty awesome. Um so you get that aspect of it. And I, I, I thought that it was a game that they that they really needed to win, and, and they came out. They beat a much-improved, I won't say good, Red Wings team, but they did everything they needed to do in that game, and, and I thought they took care of business. So, for me, the Red Wings game is a 4 out of 5. It's a Trans Am.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I'm going transam on the on the Detroit game. It was a solid bounce back effort from the Vegas Golden Knights. The thing that I wanted to see was uh when this team gets a lead against a team, they should turn a game into a no-doubter on. Can they do it? And they did. And they did it without Alex Petrangelo. I thought it was a really strong game for Daniil Miramanov. You play a large portion of the third period without Jack Eichel, and that didn't really seem to phase the Golden Knights either. Uh, you get a goal from Phil Kessel and an assist, so a multi point night from Phil Kessel. Uh, starting to build a little bit of chemistry with Nick Waugh. I think that's an important piece uh, to the puzzle here. And you get a win for Aiden Hill in regulation. Like, that's something that hadn't happened in nearly a month for Aiden Hill. So you get his game kind of going in the right direction, and all of a sudden, and I think the Golden Knights feel pretty good about where they're at. So solid structural game from the Vegas Golden Knights uh, against Detroit, and it was a good stepping stone, so a 4 out of 5 for me. What say you? 4-3, shootout victory over the Boston Bruins.
0: Okay, so you know I don't hand these out like Halloween candy. I'm, I'm a little more <laughs> um, close to the vest when it comes to handing out DeLoreans, mm-hmm. but I think last night was a DeLorean, and I'll say it for this reason. Yes, it's unsettling that they were up 3-0 and and they allowed... I don't want to say they allowed, but Boston did get back into that game. And and you Mm -hmm. could be disappointed about that. But I will say this. Boston had not lost a home game in the city of Boston all season. They have maybe, at least points percentage-wise, they are the best team in the NHL. 41 points on the season. Not only did, did... it, it was a gut check time, right? You, you you get level at three or the game is level at three. The team found a second gear without their best player in Jack Eichel and without their best defensive player in Alex Petrangelo. As you mentioned, we, we, we could be talking about guys who are finalists for awards that this team won that game with last night. It was an emotional game, emotional return for Bruce Cassidy in a place that he had called home for many, many years. With an organization that he had been part of for even longer than that. If you go back to his days with Providence, he's been a part of the Bruins organization most of his adult life. So it's a it's a it's an emotional victory for the Golden Knights. It was an important victory. It was gut check time, and they found the way to dig down deep and come away with a win against, like I said, the best team in the NHL and a team that, you know, when when, when I look at them, a team that's a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, you know, I know. I know. We we joke a little bit about what you said about the Bruins earlier in the year, and I and I have to be. I'll admit, I was a bit leaning that way as well. I'm thinking, ah, this is the end of an error. But that's a really, really good hockey team, and and the Golden Knights were able to dig down deep and they beat a really, really good hockey team on the road without two of probably their three best players.
2: So. You're going five out of five. You're going DeLorean. Yes. I respect that. I am going to just kind of throw out Darren Millard's uh, unofficial rating for today. Uh, I'm sure he would go DeLorean as well for oh, he, a lot he of would, reasons. He
0: was going DeLorean Amlat with, with the one last night. He was combining yeah. a four and a five.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, he, he's absolutely on a DeLorean for a lot of the reasons that you outlined. Like, listen— You go in and you're the first team to beat the Boston Bruins on home ice this year, and that team was 14-0 before it. That is something special. You do it at the end of a four-game road trip in which you've played four games in nine nights, and you're coming off off of a stretch where you had five games in eight days and a lot of travel mixed and matched inside there then you do it without Alex Petrangelo you do it without Jack Eichel Uh, there's so many reasons why last night's game was a huge game for the Vegas Golden Knights why no matter how the result came for Vegas you celebrate the result you deal with the result you don't criticize the result in any way you take a five out of five it's a five out of five for me it's a DeLorean for me because of a lot of the extenuating circumstances going into that game for the Golden Knights. And the simple fact that, listen, I'm on Twitter. Everyone knows I'm on Twitter. You can follow at Ryan Hockey Guy. You can follow Chapman at Magnum 702. You can follow us at Fox Sports LV. I'm on Twitter. I saw the commentary from the fans before the game started when Jack Eichel, uh, w- when it was announced that he was not going to play in the game. I saw it. There weren't a lot of people that were giving the Golden Knights a chance to win that game, let alone amass a three goal lead and disrupt some of what the Boston Bruins' high flying offense can do within a game. The Golden Knights were so, so good in their own zone of disrupting some of the puck possession that the Bruins were working for. They did some great job, uh, they did a great job along the walls, specifically in jumping routes and making it harder for the Bruins to break out of their own zone. See, Jonathan Marchessault's goal, jumping the route on David Pasternak. Like, there were a lot of good things that the Vegas Golden Knights did in that game to win as a team, not to win because they have a dynamic player in Jack Eichel and a dynamic player in Alex Petrangelo on the back end. The Golden Knights earned that victory last night as a team, and then I don't think it can really go without being stated. The Golden Knights special teams last night, were hugely important despite giving up a power play goal against. If not for Logan Thompson and Braden McNabb and their work on the penalty kill late in overtime, late in the third period, the Golden Knights don't get a point out of that game. Logan Thompson was fantastic. You want to talk about a player that is showing growth, that is continuing to get better day in and day out. Logan Thompson's doing that for the Golden Knights I think that you look at that game last night and you say, listen, it's not disheartening. At least it isn't to me that the Golden Knights gave up that lead. The Boston Bruins pushed back, and for a team that averages four goals a game, you expect that when they push and they send everything, they're going to score some goals. It just is going to happen. But what I liked about the Golden Knights is that they were able to weather the storm, they were able to pick themselves back up even though they had a 3-0 lead, and they were able to tilt the ice back into their favor throughout the majority of the third period. They were confident trading chances with Boston because a lot of the chances the Boston Bruins had in that third period kind of died on their stick. It wasn't necessarily clean. The Golden Knights had some good strong defensive plays in front of Logan Thompson and then Logan picked them up. And you're talking about a goalie that absolutely loves the shootouts. I don't know how Logan Thompson is 2 and 3 all-time all in in his career in the shootout, but he is and the fact that he's starting to get a little bit of goal support here in the shootout is fantastic because if you want to look at a player that takes that aspect of the game as seriously as, say, Paul Cotter does, it's Logan Thompson for the Golden Knights in net. So 5 out of 5 for me, 5 out of 5 for Chris Chapman. Uh, Let us know in the comments section. Let us know on Twitter, at RyanHockeyGuy, at Magnum702, if you agree or disagree or if you would give a different rating. Uh, When we come back just to to reset the hour. I want to get your take Chapman on how you would rate the rating systems we've had so far, as you know, Year number one that we were doing the ratings, we went Bob Ross paintings, or or art paintings, more or less. Uh, Year number two, we went spicy peppers, degrees of heat. And then this year, year number three that we're doing this, uh, we're going classic cars. We're going discontinued cars. I want to hear from you, Chapman, on the other side of this one, what your favorite and least favorite of the ratings has been. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM. Now back to Darren Millard and
2: Ryan Wallace. Big road trip for the Vegas Golden Knights. Went three and one on their four-game road trip. Return home. For a three-game homestand starting tomorrow, 7 o'clock against the New York Rangers, we'll be on with the HK Insider Show from T-Mobile Arena from 4 to 6. Then pre-game show, I will uh, preempt myself. It's always fun when I do that at 6 o'clock to get you set for the game. Chapman, I posed the question to you because it was posed to us earlier on in the day on Twitter. Again, at RyanHockeyGuy, at Magnum702, at Fox Sports LV. Those are the places to follow. Um, which of the game rating systems... Have been our favorite. Or if we were to rank them one through three, how would we rank them? The art that we did in year number one, the degrees of spiciness with peppers that we did in year number two, or what we're currently doing right now, the discontin- discontinued cars. Uh, what say you, Chapman? Well, mine
0: is, mine is really easy as far as my favorite.
1: You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? Oh, the people, no. the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper.
0: That that was my favorite, um, for a variety that's of wrong. reasons. Um that's wrong. look, I I, I I like the idea of, of pepper because I felt like of all the things it was the thing that was the least subjective. Right? Like there's no debating that a Carolina Reaper and a Ghost Pepper are much more spicy than a bell pepper. Right? Like mm. there's zero debate about that. It's it's not anything that's that's up to opinion or subjective. Like, honestly, I kind of wouldn't mind driving around in an AMC Gremlin. I think they're they're kind of cool, despite the fact that we rate it as, as the worst of the worst. Um, sure, yeah. I always think of the Mirthmobile from Wayne's World. So, um, you know, I, I I love the Peppers. And the funny thing is my kid, he, he watches all these, like, interesting YouTube videos a lot of times on music. And there was a guy who was playing like notes on I can't remember what instrument it was, but he was rating the difficulty on a pepper scale on the Scoville oh, scale. Wow. So I'm like, That's you know funny. what? That guy must be a li- whoever made that video must listen to the VGK Insider Show and stole the idea from us. But yeah, that that was my favorite. I I think Art was probably my second favorite because mm-hmm. I, I anytime we can talk about Bob Ross, I'm I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I I wouldn't put this year's like that far below like i felt like it's really close like honestly it's probably 2a and 2b for me um the peppers one was was definitely my favorite but i I feel like this year and and year one are both pretty close in terms of where they are uh but i just love the peppers more
2: yeah i like the art scale best obviously um and it's not just because i came up with it uh I think Bob Ross is a national treasure and and it, you know it, there's there's a, a degree of understanding things through abstract ways and and art certainly does that. Yeah. Um, I do agree with you though that like there's no debating what uh there's there's no debating at all what a a ghost pepper does in relation to a bell pepper. Like I think you're right on the money there. You you, you, you it's not really open oh, to it, it obliterates the it. It is what it is. Now um, I also agree with you on, on the, the discontinued cars. Like I love station wagons. I think station wagons are awesome. I, I would absolutely put station wagon in a higher number bracket than where we have it as a 2 out of 5. So uh, for that reason and that reason alone, it's going to be 1, uh, Art, 2, Peppers, 3, Cars. That's my official vote on rating our game ratings uh, where we take a look at what we've done over the last 3 seasons and give you an idea of where we stand with them right now we uh we still have a lot to get to here in hour number two of the vgk insider show a deep dive on the heart trophy jason robertson mitch marner connor mcdavid who do we think is going to win that trophy as well as which streak ends if any do tonight is it jason robertson's 18 game point streak or mitch marner's 19 game point streak both of them are on the line in the same game with those two players face off in just about a half an hour all that's still to come on the vgk insider show right here on fox sports las vegas